Well, hello there, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Welcome to another episode of Steelers Friday Night Six Pack. I am your host, as always, Tony Defio, and I thank you for joining me on this lovely Friday evening in Pittsburgh. It's late October. It's almost how can you believe it? And before I continue with tonight's show, oh, first of all, as always, I want to wish you all a great evening, wherever you happen to be, or a great day if you're listening to me somewhere else around the world other than Pittsburgh, or if you're listening on a different day on an audio platform, I hope it's pleasant wherever you are. And before I continue with tonight's show, I just want to ask you to please like and subscribe to our Behind the Store Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show earlier on Friday. If you were watching on YouTube, you saw the Touchdown Under with Maddie Peverall and Mark Davison. The fine gents from Australia, they always bring you fantastic Steelers coverage. Uh, we have we run the North with Kevin Tate and his buddies, where they talk about all things AFC North. Uh, we have the Hangover on Mondays with Brian and Shannon, Brian Anthony Davis and Shannon White, and yours truly. On Tuesday, we have the Scobro Show with Dave Schofield and Rich Schofield. On Wednesday, we have Know Your Enemy with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon. On Thursday, we have the Critically acclaimed Steelers preview with Jeff Hartman, Dave, and Brian. Uh, let's see. Uh, of course, you can catch all those shows also live on Facebook. And if you're watching me on Facebook right now, you know that. Hello. And you can catch all those shows on any audio platform uh, after the fact. If you don't want to listen live, you can listen anywhere you download podcasts. You can find Behind Still Curtain's channel. And Behind Us the Curtain also has audio-only shows, a whole family of those. Uh, we have Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman. We have The Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar. We have Bad Language with Brian Anthony Davis. We have The, the Stat Geek with, with Dave Schofield. We have the, the War Room with Maddie. We have What Yin's Talking About with Kyle Kreiss and his buddies over there on the West Coast. We have From the Cutting Room Floor with Jeffrey Benedict. So we have a uh, great show for you there on the audio side. So please check that out. And again, you can check them out on any audio platform. And please check out Behind the Store Curtain, the website. We're bringing news, commentary, film breakdown. Anytime there's Steelers-related news, anytime somebody has an opinion, anytime somebody wants to break down film, they do it on Behind the Store Curtain. You can find it there. So let's see who we have in a live chat tonight. Let's see who was first. Jared Devil. He finally gets one. Good job, Jared Devil. And DJ2 says, fire Tomlin with a bunch of explanation marks. But there's no, no hashtag. You have to put the hashtag in there for it to count. Kathy Ford is with us, and she's uh, greeting us from Fort Worth. Is that Texas or is it Indiana? I don't know. I don't know my cities. I think it's Indiana. Who knows? It's probably, there might be one in each state. I, I flunked geography. But welcome, Kathy. George Teston is with us. Allie Howard. I haven't seen Allie Howard in a while. Good uh, uh, good to see you. Stacy Lynn is with us. Brian Brown, the always popular Brian Brown. Um, Bernie Young, a new one from Facebook. Welcome, Bernie. T-Bar, another new uh, face from YouTube. Welcome. And that's it. Oh, and George Teston counters with hashtag hire Tomlin, or hire Tony. Oh, oh wow. I was, I was going to... Uh, 
compliment Tomlin with that, but now that's about me, and I and my ego is sufficiently massaged. Thank you, George. So let's talk about those Steelers. And of course, if you were paying attention to Steelers-related news on Friday, you you heard that T.J. Watt, who's been out of action since late in in uh, week one with a torn pectoral injury. And a, uh, he had a knee problem from the preseason that he had surgery on while he was on the injured reserve list. So he's been out for a while. And word came on Friday from the mouth, from the horse in the mouth, from the horse's mouth. Wow, man, I got to, I guess we're rehearsing these, uh, these little quips I threw in there. Anyway, uh, Watt himself said he might play this Sunday against the Eagles. That's big news. Um, I'm, I haven't heard any, any insiders, any local insiders or national insiders really dispute that. A lot of people think it's a 50-50 proposition at this point. I haven't heard anything as of airtime. So I guess we'll find out between now and Sunday. Maybe it's a game time decision. Maybe, maybe we'll find out Sunday morning. But that w- sure would be big news for, for the Steelers and their defense because I think their defense has struggled without what in there there's no question about it but they've had uh they had what seven sacks since in, in week one with what in there and they've had five since then in the in the six games since then uh they had five takeaways in that game against the Bengals in week one and they've had five since then so obviously tj watts the big straw that stirs a drink for that defense and uh, for, for the team in general i mean he's the, fa- the the new face of the franchise and that's one of the things really that's you know, that kind of gets left left unsaid. And I and I talked about this a lot in, in, you know after that week one win in Cincinnati. Um, you know, people were saying, uh, why why are you so down? They they won, they won. Yeah, but they, they lost their their new fr- face of their franchise less than sixty um game minutes after their old face of the franchise retired, Ben Roethlisberger, last year. So you know, you, you lose the most important piece to your team and you knew coming into this year, it was going to be a struggle for them anyway. So you, so they lose that guy and you know, you see what's happened with the defense. And I realize people are, have always defended the defense or they like to, to defend the defense, especially in Pittsburgh. You know, it's, it's, it's uh, sentimental. It's nostalgic. We're all about defense in Pittsburgh and the defense, uh, you know, d- did a good job, for example, against Miami the other day. Uh, in that 16 to 10 loss on Sunday night football that dropped Pittsburgh to two and five and the defense did a good job against Tampa Bay and Tom Brady uh, a week before at uh, Acrisure stadium, that 20 to 18 victory. But, you know, look at the overall stats of the defense. It's ranked what 28th, I think right now. Yeah. 28th in the NFL. Uh, I mentioned the, the, uh, the, the takeaways and in, in the sacks without Watt in there. Uh, you saw the, the, the game, on, on Sunday night against Miami, they dropped four, four interceptions that could have turned the tide and certainly led to six points for the, for the, for the dolphins and what became a six point loss. So, you know, the defense has clearly missed Watt, and it's not been the same without Watt, and it's not a dominant defense and there's more to, I know it's, it, it, it sounds funny to say, and, and it's, it's, it sounds weird to say, and it's, counterintuitive to say, or maybe even just plain stupid to say, <laughs> but there's more to defense than just limiting the other team 
to a certain point total. Uh, you know, you have to be able to, to affect the game with splash plays. Mike Tomlin mentioned that after the game on Sunday night. You have to be able to change field position. You have to be able to, to, to shift the momentum in the game with a, with a, a sack, with a takeaway. Uh, and this team just has not been able to do much of that without Watt. So him possibly coming back against the Eagles, that could be huge. Um, uh, I don't know if he does come back and play. I don't know if it's going to be as a full-time participant or if he's going to be on a quote-unquote snap count or a pitch count, but I guess we'll find out. Um, but it is exciting. Um, if we're, if we're, if they're going to have any real shot at, at getting back into the race, then, you know, they're probably going to have to try to steal this this game against the Eagles. And really, I don't see much, much of a chance of them doing that uh, unless somebody like what comes in and, and plays like he did in week one against the Bengals uh, or, you know, like he did in 2021 when he led the NFL in sacks with 22 and a half and, and he uh, won defensive player of the year. Uh, other than that, I don't, I don't see them winning uh, this game. So uh, we'll have to, we'll have to, 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 continue to, to pay attention to, to, to that possible um, what's the word I'm looking for to, to that ongoing news story. Um, but as far as other stuff uh, on, on the injury front um, from Friday, uh, Chris Boswell is now on the injury list with a, a groin injury. Larry Ogunjobi is out. Um, Levi Wallace is again out. You know, and to me, that's, you know, and, and nobody can help getting injured. But, you know, there was so much hope for both Ogunjobi and Wallace coming into this year. Um, I think I think uh, people truly, genuinely believe that Wallace could be a a, a replacement for Joe Hayden, a, an adequate replacement for Joe Hayden, who they moved on from after 2021. And when he's been in there, he has not looked like somebody who is an upgrade over Joe Hayden. And he's also had just multiple injury issues and Ogan Joby, you know, he had the foot uh, issue, the foot uh, surgery in the off season that, that kind of cost him a, a big contract. I, I think it was in Chicago and, um, you know, Pittsburgh signed him to a one year deal. And the hope was that he could come in here and, and replace stuff onto it uh, and, and, and be the missing piece for that line uh, and to be, be a big help alongside Cam Hayward that the line didn't have last year. And now Ogunjobi's out this week. Um, well, first of all, he really it took him a while to, to come on this year, but he played, he played lights out against the Bucks two weeks ago. So there was hope that he would continue to be, be uh, to improve and, and, and to, and to be the player that he had been in recent years. And now he's out again with an injury. And on top of that, the Marvin Leal, who showed so much promise uh, over the first five or six games, uh, he's on injured reserve. So, you know, that's just two big blows for this defensive line. Um, so, you know, they're going to have to try to um, generate uh, a pass rush and, 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 and stay stout against the run without uh, – Ogan Joe being there along with Leal. So it, it's going to be a, a big challenge for them uh, on that front. So 
I guess it, it, the you know people like like uh, Isaiah Lee uh, Loudermilk are, are going to take on a bigger role. I, I would assume uh, moving forward, uh, Chris Wormley, of course, uh, uh, people like that. So that's the injury news. Um, to review some of the the, the Dolphins game, I kind of touched on that already. Um, I think uh, I, th- I thought the defense played played pretty well in that game, you know, even though I've just said it's, it's been a, d- a disappointment this year, it did play pretty well, especially in the second half after they adjusted to, to Tua and, and, and the Dolphins offense. I mean, I think they did a decent job shutting down Tariq, Tariq Hill or Tyreek Hill uh, and even Waddle. I mean, you know, Miami jumped out to a 13 to nothing lead and uh, Pittsburgh was able to close within 16 to 10 at halftime. And it looked like like the Steelers had the momentum, but you know if you go back and look look at uh, the end of that first half after Pittsburgh closed the thirteen to ten on the uh, picket to Pickens touchdown, uh, the defense um, gave up a, a a long drive to Miami's offense right after that, and um, you know Miami reached the Pittsburgh twenty eight, and Tua tried to find I think it was. Uh, Hill down the left sideline and it looked like uh, Cam Sutton was in perfect position to intercept the pass and actually he got two hands on it and if he comes down with that pick there you know uh, it's 13 to 10 at halftime instead of 16 to 10 because you know the Dolphins went on to kick a field goal after Sutton uh, dropped that interception so you know the entire second half could have been different for Pittsburgh how they had how they went about it on offense um, you know, you're, you're chasing a field goal at that point and not a touchdown, you know, to try to win the game. Maybe, you know, the last two drives uh, that Pittsburgh had, they, you know, they moved the ball really well, especially the second to last uh, drive. Uh, and at one point it was, what, third and one deep in Miami territory. Uh, and they, they try a quarterback sneak, but they use some funky motion uh, uh, alignment and they got called for a legal formation. And on the next play, um, who was it? Uh, was it Dan Moore was called for holding. So next thing you know, it goes from third and one to third and 16. And Pickett throws the, uh, you know, really a, a bad pass. Uh, and it was intercepted. And then the, the, the last drive, um, you know, Pickett made, makes some really fine throws, especially the one to, to Fryermuth down in the middle of the field on fourth down, on fourth and four. And uh, I think they, they reached, what, the 25-yard line, Miami's 25, with, uh, what, 20 seconds left, 18 seconds left. And, you know, Pickett, you know, is rolling to his left. And it looks like he has uh, all the time in the world, or all the room in the world, I should say, to, to, to run for a first down and get out of bounds. But, you know, they had no timeouts left. And, you know, again, it was – you know, t- uh, the clock was ticking, so he tries to hit Johnson in the end zone. It looked like a bit of a communicate uh, miscommunication, and it was intercepted, and, and it was game over. So, you know, it was another just horrible performance by the, by by the offense. There's no question. I mean, uh, it was predict the play calling seemed predictable. There was no flow to it. Uh, you didn't seem like. You, it, it never seems like they're, they're trying to set anything up with their play sequencing. You know, it's just, it's just, um, 
just it, it just you know run on first down, run on second down, pass on third down. Uh, you know it's third and five or third and seven, and they're and they're running five yard uh, routes and passing it short of the sticks over and over again. The same thing that we've seen. Um, they're they rarely use the middle of the field except for at the end. It seems like at the end of games. Uh, like we saw in week one, and then when, you know we saw in Miami the other day with the uh, pass to Fryermuth. It's it just it's just the same old story with the offense, and I, I don't know what more can be said about it other than changes have to be made. Um, but it doesn't look like any changes are going to be made. Um, but you know there were rumors that came out over the course of the week that if they have a bad game again in Philadelphia offensively if they if they fail to score points or a lot of points that Matt Canada could be fired I mean I don't know if that's gonna how much that, that's gonna help this year but uh it would certainly bring about a new play caller so maybe that would change some things I mean you're not going to change the playbook uh in the middle of the year even if you fire Matt Canada you're going to use the same playbook you're just going to hope for for a better approach with, I guess, Mike Sullivan would be elevated. That's that's the uh, assumption at this point that he would be elevated to to offensive coordinator if if uh, Canada is is uh, fired mid season. Uh, I guess we'll have to find out. Um, but again, you know, the defense could have done more to 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 bail the 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 offense out or or to make life a little bit better for the offense. You know, and I always laugh when people, you know, I, I've always, I, I've had this argument with people for years about uh, an opportunistic defense and, and how, you know, it's not luck so much as it's skill. Skill is what, is was what, you know, skilled players, playmakers, splash players, um, they know how to create turnovers. They know how, how to, to do that. We, we, we've seen that with Mika Fitzpatrick since he's become a Steeler or since, since he became a Steeler in 2019. Obviously, T.J. Watt is pretty pretty uh, uh, good at, at creating turnovers, right? You know, the occasional fumble that, that finds its way back to the offense, there might be some luck involved every now and then with that. You know, if the ball bounces a certain way, you know, we saw that at the end of the uh, Bucks game couple weeks ago when when that uh mason cole uh snap went wide wide of uh trubisky and he somehow managed to, to dive on it before the bucks defenders could but that's you know that's a fluky thing but when you're talking about dropping uh four interceptions four pretty easy interceptions in a game that's not luck that's skill you know and we saw it with cam sutton in week two against the, the Patriots and, and how, you know, if he holds on to, to a, a, a really bad pass by Mac Jones in the third quarter, uh, that could have changed that game, right? Uh, earlier in that game, Keller Witherspoon, you know, he has great coverage on, I forget the receiver in that game, but he has, I think it was Jacoby Myers. It doesn't matter. Uh, he has great coverage, uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't uh, turn around to, to make a play and uh, intercept a, an, an interceptable pass. Instead, instead the receiver uh, makes the great play and scores a touchdown there. So, you know, 
And when people talk about turnovers being just a matter of luck and not skill, uh, by the way, I apologize for, for once again being muted in the middle of my show. But hopefully I wasn't muted for that long. Looks like maybe a minute or so. I apologize. Anyway, yes, I was muted. I'm sorry. Live chat. Um, but I guess I have to get a new mic. I don't know what's up with this. But, but when people talk about uh, turnovers being a matter of, of luck and not skill, it's, it's not true. You know, uh, we saw uh, Pittsburgh's, uh, how, how good Pittsburgh's defense was at taking a football away two years ago. Right when they had Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, and and uh, you know Joe Hayden was still here, Stephen Nelson, you know obviously Minka Fitzpatrick, those were playmakers, right? They had a, a whole core of playmakers. We saw it in, in the Super Bowl days, right? When you had Troy Polamalu, Ryan Clark, uh, James Harrison, uh, Lamar Woodley, etc., etc., etc. You know James Ferrier. You had you had a great group of of of, of playmakers on that defense. And then what happened when they all got old and moved on? The defense could not take the ball away. And, and, and they struggled at it for years from like 2011 through probably what, 2016, 17. They, they were really just not good at taking the ball away and creating turnovers. I mean, they were averaging like 18, 19 takeaways a year. That's not going to get it done. I don't care where you rank and, you know, yardage or, or or you know if you're not sacking the quarterback and and and, and getting after the and, and taking the ball away you're not a complete defense and that's what we've seen from this unit um since week one without tj watt so you know i guess if he does come back hopefully this sunday but Whenever he does make his return, if it's not this Sunday, it's going to be after the bye week. There's no question about that against the Saints. We'll be able to see just how how uh, important he. I mean, we already know how important he is, but you know, hopefully he makes that much of a difference again. So, um, on that note, at the twenty three thirty mark, I'm going to take a short little break. And let you hear a word from our sponsors. And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Steelers six-pack on this lovely Friday night. And uh, again, I want to apologize for the uh, my once again being muted uh, during the first half of the show. And thank you for the live chat for alerting me to that. And I got a $2 super chat from Kathy Ford who says Mike Fine. I don't know what that means, but um, maybe she meant Mike Fine. Mike, my mic is fine. I don't know. But thank you for the $2, Kathy. That's very nice of you. All right. So let's talk about Kenny Pickett. And Stacy Lynn says, I think, I think the ghosts are messing with you, Tony. Yes, it's almost Halloween. And uh, it does seem like my mic is haunted every Friday night. So yeah, maybe there's something to it. Mike Fund. Ah, okay, that, okay, that makes more sense. All right, Mike Kathy says uh, have a mic fund. But see, that's the thing. My mic's not that bad. I don't know why it's it's maybe it's my computer. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. But it's fun coming on here and 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 uh, rambling on and let, and talking with you guys. So you know, if I'm muted a few seconds here and there, that's fine. But let's talk about 
uh, Kenny Pickett and the game he had on Sunday night against the Dolphins. He struggled. I mean, he, he you know, I mean, he had some, he made some, some uh, decent throws and obviously he, had a, a, he looked really good on, on those last two drives of the game, but each drive ended with a bad interception. And of course he threw one earlier in, 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 in the game. Uh, but that was, I don't blame him for that. That's more Chase Claypool's fault for, uh, I don't even know if it's Claypool's fault, but Claypool, uh, trip got tripped up and, 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 and fell and, and, uh, the ball was, uh, intercepted. So, but, uh, he did, he did have three picks and he has two touchdowns and seven interceptions so far and 12 plus quarters of action as an NFL quarterback. Um, the offense has looked, I mean, it, the results have, have been just as bad as they were with uh, Mitch Trubisky. So, you know, you haven't seen an improvement with uh, uh, Kenny Pickett in there. So people are a little concerned about that, but I'm okay with, with uh, Pickett's struggles because um, I think it's more common to see a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback struggle like Pickett has than to come on the scene like Dan Marino did in 83 or even Big Ben did in 04 and, and, and really have success early on. You know, it's, it's, it's usually, this is usually how it goes for rookie quarterbacks who, 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 who uh, are starters in the NFL. Uh, more often than not, the team around them is not very good. You know, the 83 Dolphins, they were in the Super Bowl a year earlier. They had a really good team. Um, and they, they got lucky that, that there were some weird rumors about Dan Marino and drug use. <laughs> and that's allowed uh, him to fall to twenty uh, to the twenty seventh pick in the eighty three draft. Obviously, the 04 Steelers were pretty darn good, um, or they had a pretty good roster, I should say. They, they were coming off a bad year, but that was kind of a fluky bad year. You know, um, Tommy Maddox, Maddox was the quarterback, and for whatever reason, uh, they were trying to. Uh, be a, a, a pass first team under Bill Cowher for the first time ever uh, when they had traditionally been a run first team with Jerome Bettis. And, you know, that was the year that, that, that Cowher tried to replace Bettis with Amos Zaraway as starting running back. Didn't quite work out. So it was a kind of a fluky year and, and they finished six and 10, but you know, that roster was so stacked, you know, and we, we know what that, I mean, it was, that was essentially the, the roster that would go on and win Super Bowl 40. You're talking about, obviously, Bettis was on that team. Um, Deuce Staley, they signed him in the offseason. They had a great offensive line. You know, Alan Fanica, Jeff Hardings, Marvell Smith, uh, Kendall Simmons. I mean, they had a really good offensive line. Um, uh, Heinz Ward, Plexico Burrs was on that team. Uh, obviously, the defense was fantastic. <laughs> Joey Porter, uh, um Aaron Smith, Kimo von Ohoffen. Uh, I, I, that was James Ferrier was the best player on, on that defense that year. He was a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, they had Ike Taylor. Um, uh, so am I missing anybody? I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to miss any legends. Larry Foote was on that defense. <laughs> gosh, I'm probably going to, oh, Casey Hampton. I mean, gosh, Dick LeBeau, he came back to be the coordinator, defensive coordinator that year. So, it was a really darn good team. 
And Big Ben was more of a complimentary piece uh, for that 04 Steelers team than he was the savior. You know, people dubbed him the savior, but he really wasn't a savior. He was, he was just a, uh, you know, obviously the, the talent was pretty evident, but it was also evident that they were kind of bring, bringing him along slowly. Uh, and they had, they had uh, the ability to do that because they had such a good team. You know, they, they were number one against the run or they were number one running the ball that year. They were they had the best defense in the NFL that year. I mean, it was a, it was a great team. And, and Ben Roethlisberger uh, attempted 295 passes that year. Could you imagine that? 295 passes in what? What are you playing? Uh, 14 and a half games. You know, Kenny Pickett in a little over three games of action has already attempted 127 passes. You know, Pittsburgh's offense is ranked 30th in the NFL this year. Uh, the running game is awful, 27th. <laughs> the passing game, obviously, is not really good either. So, you know, this is more what a rookie quarterback has to has to deal with, you know, as a starter. So, you just have to keep uh, trotting him out there each and every week. As I've been saying, the most important aspect of the 2022 season is the, the development of Kenny Pickett. You know, uh, I know it's 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 there, there, there's an, always this urge with the organization and with the fans to, you know, try to do whatever you can to make it into the playoffs. You know, get into the dance. Anything can happen. Nine and eight, you know, get that seventh seed. You never know. And I get it, you know, and I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that they're going to tank because that's not in their DNA. But I think you have to keep sending Pickett out there, come hell or high water, no matter what's going on, no matter how much he struggles, barring injury, he has to stay in there and, and he has to take his lumps. And the, 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 the team in general has to, has to, has to grow together. It's it's a it's a it's a, a an incredibly young offense. I think it's the youngest offense in the NFL. I want to say that's what Shannon was saying on Monday, but we all know, based on last year, it's one of the the youngest rosters in the NFL. They're clearly rebuilding. You know, even though they played they paid the defense so much, you know, it's you know they have three new corners from two years ago. They have you know, uh, they're, they're revamping the line, the defensive line, the linebackers inside linebackers, uh, Highsmith has replaced Bud Dupree. You know, they're, 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 they're a, a different team than even a couple of years ago. So obviously the offensive line is, is completely new. So you have to just let them, let them uh, find a way to, 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 to deal with these growing pains, find a way to get better. Uh, keep, keep your head down and, and keep going through hell till you get to the, to the other side. Right. I mean, you look at the Eagles last year. Uh, they, I think they, they were the seventh seed. They kind of struggled uh, most of the year, and, and they found a way to make the playoffs. Um, Jalen Hurts was considered kind of a bust as recently as last year. You know, uh, I think the coach was Nick Sirianni. He wasn't considered to be a, a great coach. And now look at them. You know, they stuck with Hurts through what, three years and here he is in year three. And I'm not saying he's, he's an MVP candidate, but he is a talent. You can, you can see it. And, and, 
you know, they have a they have a great running game. They have a great offensive line. Hertz is 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 the kind of RPO style quarterback that Pittsburgh wants to have. He's able to throw and run. Uh, they ha- they have two turnovers on offense all year, and they lead the league in takeaways on defense. They're fourteen to two, so they're plus twelve. So, you know, and that defense is just fantastic. You know, Fletcher caught Cox. I, I swear to God, that guy's been with them for twenty years, <laughs> but I guess not. But he's a great player. Um, they have what seventeen sacks this year. They have, they lead the inter- in the the NFL with nine interceptions. So, you know, they're 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 they have a great offensive line. They have a great defensive line. Uh, Javon Hargrave is is there. Uh, they, they just traded for the uh, I forget his name, Roberts something from the bears. Uh, he had 18 sacks last year. He struggled this year. He only has one, but now he's on a really good team. So he doesn't have to be the man. So he's probably going to be uh, more effective for them uh, as a pass rusher uh, specialist. So it's a good team, the Eagles. And, and this is kind of what you want Pittsburgh to model themselves after, I think, you know, find a way to continue to, to revamp the offensive line, f- find a way to get better in the trenches on defense and uh, develop a sound running game. And uh, obviously allow Pickett to continue to develop despite his struggle. So uh, I think you're going to be impressed with this Eagles team on Sunday. Now, hopefully Pittsburgh can find a way to, to stay in the game uh, even without TJ Watt. Um, the Eagles aren't nearly as dominant as, as the Bills were, uh, are, and I don't anticipate it being like a 38 to three kind of game again, like it was when Pittsburgh went to Buffalo a few weeks ago, but I do expect Pittsburgh to struggle to win this game. You know, the, the uh, Eagles are a top five offense and a top five defense, you know, and they're, they're going to be playing in Philadelphia where Pittsburgh hasn't won since 1965. So it's going to be, it's going to be a challenge. Um, hopefully the defense can, can rise to the occasion and, and keep it close. Maybe come, come up with a turnover or two, which is, is going to be a tall task because the Eagles are so good at uh, taking care of the football. And because Pittsburgh is so bad at taking the football away without Watt in there. Um, but I don't. I don't anticipate this being the week that the offense uh, puts it together or has an effective showing. So it's you know Pittsburgh's best bet to win this game is to keep it low scoring, another seventeen to ten, sixteen to ten, twenty to eighteen kind of game, and hopefully a bounce or two will go their way, and they can steal a win in Philadelphia, break that fifty-seven game or year streak. Uh, there and uh, go into Dubai at three and five, which honestly doesn't look, it wouldn't look too bad uh, with Watt coming back. So those are my thoughts for the night. And I will allow, allow you guys to share your thoughts and I will highlight your questions and highlight your comments. Myron, my, Myron, I, I can never say that word. Myrna, Jane, and Bert from Hawaii, right? From Hawaii. I think I got that part right. 
says, yes, play picket through good and bad. I agree. Well, I said that earlier. So, yes, obviously I agree. This from Brian Brown. If the Steelers offense is horrid again Sunday, and it's so sad, it very well might. Do you think the Steelers would finally say enough is enough and fire Matt Canada over the bye? Actually, I do. Now, people have been saying, well, they don't do that kind of thing. Well, you know, you only have to, you only have to do something once to break a uh, trend. So I, I can certainly see them um, moving on from Matt Canada. If it's another game where the offense can only score, you know, a touchdown or not even a touchdown, you know, absolutely. Stacy Lynn asks rhetorically, if Pickett doesn't play, how is he supposed to get experience? I say let him play. I agree. I've always been an advocate of that, Stacy and, and everybody else. You, you know, you draft the quarterback in the first round. If your team is not expected to really be a major contender, and if it's a young team, which most teams that aren't contenders are usually pretty young, put your quarterback out there. Your, your rookie out there with the rest of the, the team and let them all grow together. I've always believed in that. Uh, I wish more teams would do that. You know, it might've been, it might've been easy for, for uh, Philadelphia, for example, to move on from Jalen hurts after his uh, early struggles and maybe trapped somebody in the first round, but instead they stuck with him and now it's starting to pay off and who knows where his career can go from here. I mean, he might get better and better, and turn into one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL before too long. <laughs> George Teston responds to Brian Brown's question and says they may fire him by halftime. That would definitely be uh, unprecedented. Todd from YouTube says, let the young man pick it, develop his craft, patience, Steelers nation. This one is from Randy Wagner from YouTube, who says, I knew what Canada was last year. Why didn't the Steelers management know? Well, there have been some theories about that. Uh, Number one, uh, there was the belief that they really couldn't implement Canada's offense last year because Ben Roethlisberger was still here, and he had a completely different skill set than what Canada's offense required. He wasn't mobile at, at all anymore at the age of 39 last year, meaning Roethlisberger. And he was used to the Todd Haley, Randy Fickner type of offense. And it was, they kind of kept that offense last year with Ben at quarterback. So that's why they, they, uh, why maybe people wanted to give Canada the benefit of the doubt coming into 2022 you knew they were going to get a new quarterback. You knew he was going to be more athletic, uh, supposedly more capable of, of, of running Canada's offense. And that you saw that they went out and they got Trubisky early on in free agency. And my, I mean, after watching him play, one of the most more mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, without a doubt. And of course, they, they drafted Kenny Pickett, who's no slouch in the mobility department himself. So that was another reason. But, you know, when you see them running the same kind of stuff with mobile quarterbacks that they ran with Ben Roethlisberger that tells me that maybe Matt Canada just was not, was never the guy 
to promote to that that spot after Fickner. If, if you wanted to move on from Fickner, fine. Um, but why Matt Canada? You know, a guy who only had one good year in college, really. I mean, if you look at his resume, he, he's moved around a ton. And he's only had one good year. And that was back in 2016 when he was uh, the Pitt Panthers OC. And it was a great year. But that's his only bright spot on his resume offensively. So. And this one from Stacey Leonard says, glad Haley is gone. He was another bad coach. That's, that's interesting you say that because uh, there are a lot of people who are starting to see Haley in a new light with all these struggles with offense over the last few years. I mean, Haley, you can say what you want about him. I mean, he, he is a bit of a jerk of a person. It's hard to dispute that. And he's apparently very hard to work with. Uh, just ask Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> who never seemed to, who didn't seem to like him. But you know, they had such great success with him, uh, especially from like 2014 through 2017. I mean, they they were they had one of the best offenses in the NFL year in and year out. I mean, they had obviously Antonio Brown, Bell, a great offensive line, and Ben uh, had the best years of his career. And maybe that's why Haley, looking back on it, maybe that's why Haley uh, had so much success here because he had the horses to, to get the job done. But I mean, Haley's track record overall, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty darn good. I mean, it was, he, he had a lot of success in Arizona when he was their OC. Uh, he went to Kansas city for a cup of coffee as the head coach. Didn't have quite the same success on offense, but he got them to the playoffs. So, you know, he, I think he's a much, he's certainly the, the most uh, credible man to hold that position for them since Bruce Arians. So maybe that's the key is to get yourself some horses on offense and a credible offensive coordinator. So right now they don't appear to have either, either of those uh, in, in, in large supply. This one is from Ryder Asgood. Thanks, Tony, for what you do. I enjoy your shows and what you add. Question, in your opinion, why are some fans so quick to judge Mitch and Kenny and to be negative from a diehard fan? I don't get it. Ah, that's, just, that's just fans. I mean, it's always been fans. I mean, fans are, are they don't have the patience that the, uh, maybe the, 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 the t a team has because, you know, they want results right away because they, they, they judge the team against what everybody else is doing. And if you see, you know, the bills offense going up and down the field each and every week, the, the, the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes doing their thing each and every week, why can't Pittsburgh do that? You know, they don't, they don't really necessarily want to, they don't want to buy the, the, the sentiment that Pittsburgh doesn't have the talent that those other teams have. Um, you know, what, what it, Steeler fans always say they have just as much talent as anybody. That's like one of the, one of their popular refrains. They have just as much talent as anybody in the league, but obviously they don't. I think we've seen these struggles for, for four years uh, with this offense. Uh, why are they so hard on uh, Trubisky and, and Pickett? Same way, same reason why they were hard on uh, uh, Rudolph when he was the starter for brief periods because it's, it's the most scrutinized position in all of sports. And it's the, uh, 
that's the, the, the quarterbacks, the, the, the player that the, the fans see on each and every play. I mean, you see what he does each and every time the ball is snapped. So that's why they're, they're quick to want to move on, especially if they're not getting the job done. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that moment when people start calling for a uh, Mason Rudolph to start, that would be something when if the people started calling for that, because that really, that's, that's, that's the only place left to go is, is, uh, why don't they see what Rudolph can do? Which would be such a ironic thing to hear. And this one is from Todd again. And he says, remember Josh Allen's first year? He's come a long way. Exactly. He really struggled. And we can go back. Can, we can go back to so many first year quarterbacks. Um, uh, obviously Terry Bradshaw is a great example from the past. All that's, that's ancient history by now, but that, that's, that's an example. Um, I'm going to say who else struggled. There was another another famous one that struggled. Uh, I mean, Troy Aikman's one who str- struggled in '89. I mean, he really struggled. Uh, you know, Brett Favre was just a undisciplined, uh, just no no attention to detail. He gained a bunch of weight uh, when he was with the Falcons, and, and and he looked like he didn't look like anybody who would ever develop into anything. And then when, when, when he retired, he became a first ballot Hall of Famer. Or by the time he retired, he was the first ballot Hall of Famer. So there are, you know, a lot of examples of great quarterbacks struggling early on. So Man- Peyton Manning's another one. Uh, who what, he threw 28 picks his first year, 1998. This one is from Dark Storm One, who says, "I just hope to see some positives by year's end. They can build off of for next year." And that brings me back to the uh, the point about uh, Pickett's development being the the most important thing. You know, it's it's you know he's if he turns out to be the guy, then I mean that's that's going to do a, a lot of the heavy lifting for this organization because it does for every organization when you find a quarterback. It's so much easier to, for, to to fit all the other pieces around him. You know, they were just lucky in 04 to have all the pieces except for the quarterback. And then they found the quarterback and he made, he made them go as, a, you know, he, you know, they, they, they lifted him up, but he was also so talented that, that he was able to do some things uh, on that great canvas of a Steelers team uh, in 04 and 05. Whereas Pickett, you know, he's coming into a situation where if he can't lift up the, uh, the, the entire roster around him, it's going to, the team's going to struggle or continue to struggle. And obviously that's usually unrealistic for a rookie quarterback to come in and, and uh, lift up a, a bad football team. And I'm not sure if Ben Roethlisberger would have been able to do anything with this team, his rookie year, he probably would have struggled just as much, you know, Again, if you go back and, and and read Bill Cowher's Heart of Steel book or Heart and Steel, I, I always forget the title of that book. When I bring it up, I gotta gotta research that book. Anyway, I read it last year. It was a great book. And he said that basically Roethlisberger had half the playbook available to him. They really simplified things uh throughout that year, you know. Um and and but again, they had the luxury of doing that because they, they didn't have 
they had a great team around him, whereas Pickett does not have that luxury right now. And this one is from Todd. Another one from Todd. Todd's very active tonight. Uh, if PK only had to throw 18 times a game like like uh, Roethlisberger, he'd be 5-0 and too. Exactly. Yeah. Or maybe he's talking about Jalen Hurts. But yeah, I mean that's 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 ideal for a, a rookie quarterback. You only want those guys to throw 18, 20, maybe 25 times a game, and he's chucking it around 45, 50 times a game. Because I mean, they first of all they've been behind just about every game, and number two, the running game's just been so suspect. And there's one from Steelers Freak, and it's 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 worth uh, mentioning because it's been a, a strong. Uh, Criticism of them in recent years. Pittsburgh doesn't pay their coaches and won't spend money on other proven agents. Tomlin needs to take his hands off and let the ACs do their, the OCs. Oh, the assistant coaches do their job. Noel had to change. Coach T needs to do it too as well. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, we saw Noel, you know, assume such uh, like greater power uh, by, by the end to the point where, he, he, he had too much power and had to go. Same thing with Bill Cowher. He, he assumed a, uh, uh, he got more powerful as, as his career in Pittsburgh unfolded. I think we're seeing that now with, uh, with uh, Tomlin. Does he have too much power? I don't know. I mean, it's funny that you know people were mad that he's, he's so hands-on now when years ago people were mad that he was so hands-off. So I guess he can't win. But the problem is he's not winning. They're not winning. And... And it's easy to be, it's easy to open up yourself to criticism when you don't win. Uh, as far as them not paying their, uh, their top, you know, not paying top money for assistant coaches. I mean, you, you know, you, you could argue that. I mean, it's, you know, when was the last high profile guy that they brought in here other than Brian Flores, who was a fluky hire. He just happened to be out there. Uh, and, you know, it was a, you know, spur of the moment kind of deal where he kind of fell into their lap. Other than that, I guess you have to go back to Mike Munchak was the last high profile guy they brought in here. So that's a good, that's a good point. Uh, why are they always just pr- promoting from it within? Why are, are most of their coaches that they, that they hire? Why aren't they like young guys who have potential? It seems like they just bring in older guys. as kind of retreads or they promote from within uh, instead of, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it is frustrating. I will tell you that. All right, kids. It's 9.51. I think it's time for me to end things. The show, obviously. But it was great to talk with you tonight. And uh, who knows? Maybe the Steelers will get lucky and have a great game for once. A great overall performance, complete performance, and shock the Eagles this Sunday, uh, fly Eagles fly no more. Right. All right. You guys have a great weekend. Enjoy that game on Sunday. And as always, go. Let's have a great weekend. <laughs>